All right. Um, wow. So here we are again, class number 15, discipleship class 2022-2023, almost December. It just seems like the other day we got started good, and um, here we are um, coming up on the halfway point. So uh, that's always exciting. And um, I don't know if our uh, friends and brothers and sisters uh, across the ocean if your ears are burning or not, but we were, uh, I was sharing with some of the folks in the room uh, that we have a group over in Kenya that are going through the class together with us. I told them, I said, you know, hopefully in heaven they'll get to meet all of you uh, one day, so, um, or maybe before, who knows, but uh, we're thankful for everyone who's joining in with us, those who are in the room, those who are watching online, and we're excited uh, to get started back tonight. Of course, we took last week off Thanksgiving holiday is probably we have I don't know, we have several different holidays in the in the United States but you know Christmas obviously is a big one all over the world but Thanksgiving is one that's fairly unique to this country as far as uh, our celebration but also it's it's one of the biggest holidays of the year and so um, that was last Thursday and so anyway we took a little break and glad that you are back with us after um, that, that respite. So, But let's pray and, and we'll get started uh, for the evening's class. Father, thank you for your great love for us and thank you for the wisdom that you have hidden for us. Father, before we ever lived a single day on this planet, you had already put in place the wisdom that we would need, Lord, to be successful and to fulfill our purpose and destiny. Father, I thank you for every person that has made the commitment, Lord, to be equipped and to learn and grow, uh, walking with Jesus and learning from Him, learning from His Word, learning from the Holy Spirit, so that we can uh, do what you've put us on this earth to do and accomplish, Lord, what you have already seen us accomplish, Lord, before you ever formed us in our mother's wombs. Lord, thank you for the sense of destiny, Lord, that's growing inside of us, Lord, that we're understanding in a greater way that we're a part of something much bigger than ourselves, something that's not temporary, Father, but, but something that's eternal. And Lord, I thank you that um, life is choice-driven, but it's also spirit-led for the born-again believer. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us make wise choices. And I believe, Lord, that um, the time we have designated together now uh, will receive things that cannot be taken away from us things that will make an eternal difference in our lives and in the lives of others. And we pray these things agreeing together in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. Come on in, guys. Amen. We um, are just getting started. So uh, let me put the title slide back up for uh, this evening's class. It's class number 15, three questions, part two, and then the, the sub or the secondary title that we should get to rather quickly tonight will be um, the... Uh, in other words, we, we, we will be on the question, what is man, for some time, okay? And um, so I'll just go ahead and give you a fair warning on that. There's different subheadings under um, the, the question, what is man, but we'll, we'll get into that as things progress along. So um, I'll tell you what I would like to do um, this evening, though, before we go any further, is, um, is review where we were a week before last when we introduced the three questions, and I'm not going to spend as much time on it as I did then, um, but we see in John the 8th chapter and the 14th verse from the Passion Translation, 
that Jesus responded, just because I'm the one making these claims doesn't mean they're invalid. For I absolutely know who I am, where I've come from, and where I'm going. But you Pharisees have no idea about what I'm saying. And it's interesting that Jesus' validity, his, his reputation even, was being called into question here. In other words, they were, they were like, I don't listen to that guy. He's just a carpenter from Nazareth. We don't even know if his mom and dad were married when she got pregnant. You know, it's kind of this whole uh, talking down to him and looking down on him. And he didn't have the, the pedigree of studying in the greatest university, so to speak, as, as we might understand it in our, in our day and age. And Jesus says, look, just because, you know, I don't have the credentials that you all think I should have, it doesn't mean what I'm saying isn't true or, or valid. And Jesus said what validated his public ministry was that he knew where he came from, he knew who he was, and he knew where he was going. And in the same way, the more we learn and understand uh, these you know, very important foundational uh, answers to life, the, the more, when I say credibility, it's not credibility in an earthly sense. Uh, it's, it's, it's not even so much that, do you understand like someone who has a lot of experience in, in a field of study that we like, man, this guy, he's, he's been doing heart surgery for 40 years, you know? And so it's like, okay, well, let's all listen to him since he's done this so long. When we talk about knowing where we came from, knowing who we are, knowing where we're going, knowing the answers to some of these basic questions, it's, it's not so much experience or reputation or validity in, in the world sense so much as it is in, in the kingdom sense. Some of you hear me say this all the time. You know, people are trying to resolve advanced life problems, uh, thrive in advanced life conditions without basic life understanding. And so the more basic life understanding we have, the more uh, foundational, fundamental truth that we not only understand, but are living out and walking out in our daily lives, the more effective it's going to make uh, us in every area of our life, in every aspect, every dimension of our lives, in, and even more so when it comes to what we do for God and the ministry that He has given to us and committed to us. So we, we're talking about these three questions, and the three questions, and, and this slide is structured, uh, this overlay is, is structured the way it is on purpose um, why am I is at the top, but if you notice it's number three, not number one. Who am I is number two, and then number one, what am I? And we said that what am I corresponds with our origin, who am I corresponds with your identity, and why am I corresponds with your purpose. And so it's written and, and, and laid out this way because you got to know what you are before you can ever understand who you are. And then you got to understand who you are before you'll ever know why you are. And, and, and ultimately, you know, understanding and living out and growing up into and fulfilling your purpose in life, this is the, this is the sweet spot of life. You, you hear people who have close brushes with death or midlife crises or whatever, you know, that life has to mean more than what they're experiencing or there's got to be a, a reason for their existence. And, and you're absolutely correct. There is a reason. And we know that 
it's, it's hardwired into us in, intuitively, instinctively, innately. We, we know that there's some bigger purpose, some bigger reason for us being here and being alive and having life and having existence. It's just that so many people on planet Earth have no idea what that purpose uh, or that reason for their existence uh, actually is. And so how can you ever have a meaningful life if, if you don't understand what your life is meant to be? How, how can you ever uh, you know, be content and satisfied in life if, if you don't know, understand, and aren't fulfilling uh, the very reason that you have life in the first place? But again, so many of the Christian resources, and, and a lot of this is changing. This is, uh, we've been doing this class almost 20 years now. And when we first started, so many of the Christian resources that are available, go to, go to a local Christian bookstore. I mean, man, there's not many of those existing more. It's, it's all gone online. But, but even then, go to Amazon. And so much of what you will find in the Christian living section of, uh, of, of books and authors and, and what have you has been devoted to our purpose and to fulfilling our purpose and it used to be very difficult to even find a book to read about your identity, okay? And so everybody understands, you know, let's find our purpose. Let's, let's you know, think of all the, uh, and some of you may have taken some of these, you know, all these different, exam, you know, personality exa exams, you know, where you answer all these crazy questions and at the end of it, they're going to tell you what you're hardwired to do on, on, on earth. Listen, I, some of those may be valid. I'm not trying to, like, diss those things, right? Um, but it just kind of goes back to this whole idea of, of us trying to, to find and understand these things. But the reality of it is your God-given purpose is so much bigger than you've ever imagined or tried to comprehend or tried to wrap your mind around. It'll be too big for you. It'll sail clean over your head unless you first understand who you are, your identity. But even then, your identity will sail clean over your head unless you fully understand what you are uh, so that you can know who and then ultimately why you are. And so we're, we're going to begin a section uh, tonight where we're, you know, we'll be probably through the first of the year uh, answering the question, what is man? Uh, and that will ultimately lead us into the final section that will bring us on into spring, okay? But... Um, as we talk specifically about what we are, we will be weaving in uh, identity and purpose along the way. And we've already talked some about purpose in the sense of the every born-again believer is called to do the work of the ministry. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've had the word of reconciliation committed to you, things that we've uh, covered. Um, but there's so much more to these things than, than what we have uh, you know, dug into up until this point. All right. So we see uh, this principle in Jesus' life and ministry that identity unlocks destiny. Identity unlocks destiny. Jesus never revealed his destiny to his followers, to his disciples, until his true identity was revealed by the Holy Spirit. And once his true identity was revealed, then and only then did Jesus begin to explain to them his purpose. And so identity unlocks destiny. Identity unlocks destiny. There are certain things, and we're moving into a part of our study on Sunday mornings. We've been studying giving and receiving here at Heritage on Sunday mornings, such an important uh, aspect of our lives. I mean, you know, money and financial things uh, in, 
you know, impact, affect every aspect of, of our existence and so have the proper biblical perspective and God's perspective on these things. But there are certain things that are both your origin and your destiny. In other words, it's just a, a fancy way of saying you were made for these things. Um, you know, one example would be that uh, righteousness is your origin. A righteous God created you and me for righteousness, and righteousness is our destiny. Uh, we, we may have strayed. We may have went down the path of sin. We may have lived as slaves to sin. It didn't change the fact that God's destiny for us has always been uh, righteousness. Uh, abundance is another one of these things. Um, mankind was created by God of abundance, placed in a garden of abundance. We sinned, brought a curse, which brought poverty and lack. But abundance was our origin, and abundance is our destiny. <laughs> How many of you know there's not going to be anybody broke or poor in heaven one day? Amen. So it's, it's, that's what I'm trying to help you see here. It's, it's when we really begin to understand our origin and, and begin to understand you know, exactly what God had in mind when He had you in mind. And when I say you, mankind uh, in general, but also you in particular, because God never made another person identical to you. It's an amazing truth. It's an amazing reality. Uh, no human being that's ever lived has had the same thumbprint as you. And, 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 and the differences and the uniqueness about you, there, there's similarities, obviously, but you are an individually unique person. And so the Bible says that God sees you as an individual, and then He sees you as part of the collected whole. The Bible says you are the body of Christ and a member individually. And so He sees you as where you fit into the, the inner workings and the outer workings of his body, but then he also sees you and understands you as a unique individual. Now, we get this question, what is man, from Psalm uh, chapter 8. And I know we spent a good bit of time on this um, week before last. But let's go through it again. It's uh, just nine verses. Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Let me remind you that we have an enemy. You know, it's, it's amazing to me all the people I've met over the years who say, I don't believe in the devil. But they tell me they believe in God. How, how, how can you, you know, if you believe in God, you've got to believe in, in, in the devil because the God you believe in identifies that we have an enemy. We're going to talk a little more tonight about why he is our enemy and why and how he became our enemy. And I think understanding uh, those things a little better. Uh, let me get ahead of myself and then we'll kind of fill in some of these uh, blanks a little bit later. But, um, you know, I remember as a, as a kid, as a teenager in church, people talking about how much the devil hated me. And I, I, again, it was a simplistic way of, of looking at it. But I remember thinking, what did I ever do to him? I mean, what? you know, it was hard for me to comprehend somebody hating me and wanting to steal, kill, and destroy uh, in my life, uh, when I, you know, I, but anyway, but there's obviously answers that uh, are uh, related to your origin, to what you are. Uh, Satan hates you because of what you are. Satan wants to stop you and destroy you and trivialize you and, and enslave you because of what you are. Okay, so anyway, that's, that's the, the relationship there. And so out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Words, literally shut the mouth of the devil. He's a liar and the father of it. 
and yet you have the capacity to silence him, to, to, to invalidate his lies, uh, and to uh, reverse and even destroy his works on, uh, on planet Earth. You are a serious threat to him. Uh, but again, if you don't understand what you are, uh, you, you'll, you'll see yourself as a victim, as measly instead of the victor and as mighty. So uh, verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? So the, the, the flavor, the feel, the, the attitude, the intentions behind this beautiful psalm is you know, the size and scope of the universe as you, know, you look out in the stars and, and just all these things. And yet you know, mankind, you and me, we seem so small and so vulnerable and so... Uh, insignificant in light of all of this, and yet he's asking the question, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? I mean, if you, if you go with the biblical account, you know, God created all of this for you and me. I mean, the last thing that he created was us, right? He made everything just like it needed to be and then put us right slap dab in the middle of it. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing thought uh, yet supported uh, firmly and strongly by Scripture. Okay, so now we're going to keep rolling here because he, he's introduced this uh, question in verse 4, what is man? And, and this idea that you would not only do all this and create all this, but, but that you long to have fellowship with, you long to spend time with, you, you long to get to know um, are you seeing this? That you would the Son of Man that you would visit him, right? We know that God came in the cool of the evening and and He visited with Adam. He fellowshiped with him. I'm getting way way ahead of myself now, but one of the things you must understand is that God created you because He wanted you. He created you because He desires you. He created you because He wanted to have fellowship with you. As a matter of fact. A huge part of you understanding the, the full measure of what you are comes back to that one central truth. So notice now we've gotten over into purpose. We've gotten over in a little bit to identity. We start talking about God fellowshipping with you. But I'm, when I say that, it goes back to what you are because what we're ultimately going to see is that God created you in His image and His likeness. He created you comparable to Him so that you could be compatible with Him comparable to him so that you could be compatible with him. Wow. Okay. I get stirred up about this because it's, it's, it, these are the things the devil never wants us to understand. You know, he, he wants us to, to, if, if, if at all, he wants us to view God as somebody who, you know, maybe help us a little bit with our lives if we need him and, and never really understand the full measure of what God has in his heart, where you and I are concerned, where our origin is concerned. In other words, you, you understand God is eternal, okay, uncreated. He's always been and he will always be. And, you know, without being condescending, okay, he, he made it all right for millennia after millennia after millennia without any of us, okay. Um, and, and if you hadn't figured this out by now, God can make it without you, but you can't make it without him. Now, he doesn't want to make it without you, but he can, okay. But whether we want to or not, we can't. <laughs> Amen. 
you know, we sing these songs, and I'm not opposed to it. We sing these songs about I need you more, I need you more today than yesterday, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. The reality of it is our need for God is absolute. Exactly. We've always needed Him, absolutely. We've always needed Him as much as anybody or anyone could ever need anything or anybody else, okay? What's happening, though, is hopefully as we grow and mature and develop, what we're really becoming aware of is our need for Him. And so we say we need Him more. We've, we've, you, needed him, you needed Him as much when you didn't think you did as you do now that you know you do. <laughs> Amen? Am I right about this? Okay. All right. So uh, you know, this idea that God created us because there's just certain things He got tired of doing and wanted us to do for Him. No, 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 no. Uh, he he created. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to co-labor together with him and and to and to and to see things fulfilled and carried out. Absolutely, but but that's not the primary uh, reason. Because so much of our assignment involves reaching other people for him and bringing other you know harvesting other souls right into Father's kingdom. Amen. All right, let me get back to this. So you made him a little lower. Here, here's you know again on the heels of this question, what is man? He, he, man is a being that God made a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor. Now, we talk about origin and destiny. Glory and honor is your origin and glory and honor is your destiny. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, let's just spend a minute here, okay? You were created by God to be crowned with glory and honor. The Bible says that we all sinned and we fell short of the glory of God. And so God just said, well, missed your chance. You should have. No. No. He sent Jesus to rescue us. He sent Jesus to rescue us. And Jesus said this in John, the 17th chapter. Now, see, now we're swaying over into identity and purpose again. But, but listen to what Jesus said in John 17. Father, the glory that you have given to me, I now give to them. I now give to them. The glory that Jesus had as the uncreated eternal Son of God sitting at Father God's right hand uh, forever and always, okay? He emptied himself of that according to Philippians 2. He set aside the glory that he had as the uncreated eternal Son of, of the living God. And he came to this earth and he humbled himself as a man and he picked up the crown of glory that once was on Adam's head. Amen. And he won that crown back for you and me. So we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But glory was our origin and glory is our destiny. Amen. And the Bible says it this way. As many as he's justified, he's also, Romans 8, glorified. Now see, we start talking about God glorifying us in this life. You do know that God wants to put you on a pedestal, right? He doesn't want you putting yourself on one. He doesn't want you letting other people put you on one. But he does want you to let him put you on a pedestal. He said, you're the light of the world. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. But when the light is lit, they put it on a lampstand. That's a pedestal. So that all can benefit from the light. Amen. And so God has put things in you. Amen. That he wants to exalt you. Literally, the Bible says exalt you. Amen. How about this one? First Corinthians 2. God has hidden wisdom not from you, for you. There's a difference. And the Bible says he has hidden it for, from the foundations of the world, hidden it for your glory, for my glory, for our glory. All right. So I get stirred up about these things. So do you see, made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him, you and me, with glory and honor. 
made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, under our feet. Now, see, dominion, again, (laughs) was our origin and dominion is our destiny. Right? When God created Adam and Eve, he said, let them rule. Let them have dominion. Let, if anything gets out of line, let them subdue it. See, all, all of these things go back to our origin. And just because we fell short and separate ourselves from God and, and thereby separating ourselves from the ability to fulfill the purpose that God created us for, that doesn't mean God ever gave up on us actually fulfilling that purpose. Those of you that were here, remember we talked about when he wanted the entire nation of Israel to be a nation of priests for everybody else? And they said, no, thank you. And so God took the, the tribe of Levi, one of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, and the tribe of uh, Levi became priests for the rest of the nation of Israel. But God never gave up on his plan to have a nation of priests here on planet earth. And so this is what we see in uh, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, I forget, uh, 2.9, I think it's where he says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, special people, chosen generation. It's talking about you and me now. So just because, you know, God, God had this in mind for his people, his chosen people, the Jewish nation, they, uh, for whatever reason, said no to that. But God said, well, I'm not going to give up on it. I'm going to have me a nation of priests that are going to represent other people before me on planet Earth. And now that's you and me. That's, now, see, now we've got back to identity, unlocking purpose. But th- this was what God had intended for us from the very beginning. Amen. Crowned with glory and honor. A crown means what? To rule and reign in life. Well, we fell short of that. Romans 5, Romans 5, those who have received an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall rule and reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. I think that's 519. We'll get to that in, in, in you know, plenty of time. Amen. So when he says that we were made to have dominion, think, think about it in, in this way, okay? We, we want to be in control. And when we're not in control, we don't feel comfortable. It's because God actually created you to be in control. Not, not to control other people. Not to, that, that's not it. But yet, because again, dominion, being in control, having authority, it is our origin and it's also our destiny. And so when it says put all things under his feet, under your feet and my feet, we see in other places where this is expounded upon. He says everything that God created with His hands is supposed to be beneath you, not ruling over you. Angels are created beings. Talked a little bit about this two weeks ago. We're going to get back into it tonight. Angels are created beings. Demons are fallen angels. So remember when the 70 came back, just tying some things together, want to try to get some continuity. Remember when Jesus sent the 70 out, they came back rejoicing because, you know, they, they laid hands on sick people, sick people were healed. But the thing that just so amazed them was that the, they said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, you should not rejoice because a demon is subject to you in my name. You should rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, why, would, why was Jesus like throwing a wet blanket on their celebration? It's because they were celebrating something that, that was the norm. They were acting like it was a big deal for a demon to be subject to them when demons have always been subject to them. They just didn't realize that. 
Are you with me? Okay. So, dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, uh, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. And then he goes again, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Okay. Now, what we know, and I'm going to cover this again because I feel it's significant enough to remind you, okay, is that in verse 5, when he says you've made him a little lower than the angels, the, the original word there is Elohim. And Elohim doesn't mean angels in the original language. Elohim means God. So when it says you've made him a little lower than the angels, it literally means that God made us a little bit lower than himself. Now, I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm not trying to impress you with what I know. I'm not trying to stir up, uh, you know, uh, arguments and, 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 you know, get people nervous because we're messing with the, with the King James text, okay? Um, there is a reason that we need to know this and understand this, okay? And it goes to what is man? And it's interesting to me that where we find this in Scripture is, is where we find, in my opinion, where we find one of the greatest uh, errors of translation in all the Word of God, okay? Now, um, I've, as I mentioned to you before, we see this corrected in uh, more recent translations. The God's Word translation says you've made him a little lower than yourself. You've crowned him with glory and honor. Uh, the New Living Translation, you have uh, yet you made him. What is man? Right? Man is a being that you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says you made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. The Revised Standard Version says, Yet thou hast made him little less than God and dost crown him with glory and honor. The Young's Living Trans the Young's Literal, I'm sorry, the Young's Literal Translation, and causest him to lack a little of Godhead and with honor and majesty compassest him. The New Revised Standard Version, yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. And then the message translation, then I look at my micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? Yet we've so narrowly missed being God's bright with Eden's dawn light. Okay. Now, again, it's Pastor Mark, why this is controversial. People don't understand this. It turns them off. They stop listening, blah, blah, blah. Well, we, we, need, we need this correction because it, it goes to a very important principle. So let me, um, let me show you how things were before God created mankind, okay? You had number one, God, and according to the scripture, number two, angels. So this was the order as we know it before the creation of man, but according to the scriptures, after, after God created man, the order changed. It went God, and now it's no longer number two um, angels. It's number two man, and then number three angels. Okay? So we went from God one, angels two, to God one, man two, angels number three. Okay? Angels number three. Now, we'll talk about some of these things in greater detail in the days ahead. But let me, while we're here, go ahead and let you know that you were created by God to be number two to his number one. 
Okay, God is number one, and you are number two. The only place and position your life will work is in position number two. Are you with me? Okay, <laughs> if you try to make yourself number one, your life is not going to work. Okay, if you allow anything to come in between you and God, that thing then has significantly, you know, effectively, I should say, moved you out of the number two slot to the number three slot. And guess what? Life doesn't work there either. So if you try to be number one and control and rule your own life, your life is going to spin out of control. If you allow anything in that number two slot between you and God, essentially demoting yourself to that third position, Again, life is not going to work there either. It's a very intentional, it's a very specific because it's a God-established, God-designed order. Okay? So it goes God, then man, then angels. And let me remind you, demons are fallen angels. Demons are fallen angels. So do you see why Jesus comes along and he knows the truth and he puts demons in their place? He casts demons out. He steps foot on an island and a legion of demons in a man up on the hillside begins to scream out, don't torment us before our time. We know who you are. Okay? Oh, you see in this, okay? So, demons are fallen angels. Now, to verify this even further, and I can't remember if we covered this. I should have went back and listened to the class. If I can't remember and I taught it, then maybe... Praise God. <laughs> it's kind of like, did, did I wear that shirt last week or not? I'm like, well, if they can't remember, if I can't remember, then maybe nobody else will. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Praise God. All right. So, but, but just to verify, 1 Corinthians 6 and 3, do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? So when my grandparents passed away and went to heaven, they didn't go to heaven to become angels. It's a wonderful life. It's a beautiful story. But this, I, again, it's, that's not how this works. Okay? Angels are a completely different type of being than, uh, than humankind or mankind. Okay? Hebrews 1 and 14, speaking of angels, are they, they speaking of angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Not minister to. Certainly we have scriptural uh, precedent of angels ministering to human beings, and I have no problem with that. I believe that happens in our lives every day more than we know. But it's not just ministering to you, but ministering for you. Do you understand the difference between somebody doing something to you positively or obviously negative? The devil tries to do negative things to us, okay? But, but there's also this you know, extension where they actually minister for you. Remember we talked about the, the word of his power, and how angels hearken to the voice of God's word and they respond to God's word and they hasten to perform his word. So God has put his words in your mouth, covered you with the shadow of his hand so that he might plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth and say in design, thou art my people. So angels respond in the same way demons respond, fallen angels, to our words. That's why death and life is in the power of your tongue. Angels are ministers of life. Demons, fallen angels are ministers of death. And the words that we speak are empowering one and, and uh, uh, tying the hands of, of the other. We'll get to that in the days ahead as well in greater detail. 
So speaking of the love that God has for you, the grace he's shown to you, the suffering Jesus endured, endured for you, and the glory that has been given to you, we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, last part of that verse, these are things which angels desire to look into. In other words, the, the, the affection, I mean this with all you know, humility and, and respect, but the obsession that Father God has you know, for you, for us, it's something that angels do not understand. Remember, one-third of the angels fail, right? <laughs> Kicked out of heaven. Lucifer was an archangel, all right? We have no record of God even asking him if he wanted to come back. Have no record of God ever trying to make, make amends or bring reconciliation to that divided or broken relationship. He created you and me. We waved the middle finger of our life in his face and went off and did our own thing. And he sent Jesus to pay the price for every wrong thing we ever have done or ever will do wrong just to give you and me the option of coming back to him. Came to seek and to save that which was lost. So I know I've had people over the years, and I'm not sensing that in here, but I've had people over the years that are like, I just don't buy this one, two, three things. Not what the Bible says, Pastor Mark, King James, all the way, you know, rah, rah, rah. Again, so what do we do with all these other verses that they're ministering spirits since to minister for us? Things that angels long to look into. Amen. Praise God. Let me just keep going here. Um, so this brings us back then to Isaiah 14. And I spent a little more time reviewing these things than I had initially uh, intended to. But that's okay. Are you getting anything out of this? Did the review help you? Okay. All right, so let's, let's build on this then some more. So Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, it says, How you were fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Let me, I'm going to come back on camera. I should have done that probably already before now. But let me... Um, let me use this as, um, as, an, as a classic example of what happens to so many people when it comes to the Word of God. So many people have heard things their entire lives that are inaccurate and their belief system is based upon tradition and philosophy and denominational uh, teachings and not the Word of God. And we have to be very, very careful of that because we know that Satan is a deceiver. He makes his living by deceiving. To be deceived means to believe something is true that's not true. If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. Okay? And so we have to hear and read and receive the Word of God, number one, with an open heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us and reveal to us. And so many times... We come to things like this with preconceived ideas, preconceived notions, things that we think about it, things that we've heard about it, and those things become the filter through which we, we, we hear these things and we, and we really miss the, the, the deeper truths and the deeper meanings. So having been raised in church, I was told my whole life that, that, that Satan's sin was pride. I, yes, it was, because any, anything that we do to rebel against God is pride, um, some of you know I owned a cabin business for a lot of years, and it's, it's, it's more of an uh, old-timer's term. But if, if, if two boards come together and, and they're supposed to be uh, you know, smooth and even in the joint, and one sticks up a little higher than the others, they, they say the one that sticks up is proud. It's proud. And so the concept of pride 
is when you try to be in that number one slot in, instead of God. Um, and so I'm not saying that Satan was not full of pride when he rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven. But if you look closer, his real undoing was jealousy. His, his real undoing was he refused to submit to God, but he refused to submit to God where your position is concerned. This idea that the devil got so full of himself one day that he was just going to take over and be God. He's dumb, but he's not that dumb. Okay? And that, that was not it. I believe that Lucifer was happy as he could be in the position that he was in, leading the band in heaven. I'm, I'm just trying to simplify this. He, uh, he had pipes built into his body. We, we say this, somebody that can really sing, we say, man, that sister's got a set of pipes. Well, Lucifer literally had pipes built into him. He was a musical being. And he was also covered in, 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 in precious stones. And he walked on the coals of the fire on the altar at the throne of God. He walked back and forth in, 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 on those coals of fire. And the glory of God would, would radiate uh, off of God and hit those stones that, that, that Lucifer was covered in. And, and you know what happens with a, with a, a beautiful stone, and when light hits it, it refracts it, you know. It's like, he, was, he was like a mirror ball. I mean, I know I'm trying to be silly, but, but you know, this was, this was Lucifer, right? Um, so we think of some of the takeaways from this. We say somebody who can really sing has a set of pipes that goes back to the fact that Lucifer had pipes, the Bible says, built into his, his being. How about, have you ever seen, and I know some folks say it's a trick or whatever, it's, it's Satan, uh, in, in many of these cases where people in other countries will walk on hot coals barefooted, right? See, what are they doing? They're doing what the devil used to, what Lu, before he was the devil, what Lucifer used to do in heaven. And now here, you know, it's like the devil's like, I still got it, God. I'm still, you know, got people full of, you know, my power walking on coals of fire here on the earth. And, 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 and you think, well, why in the world would somebody want to do something like that? It's because that's what the devil used to do. But before he was the devil, Lucifer, in heaven. Right? So what, what became the burr in his saddle? I'm 100% convinced. Was that now God comes up with this plan to create you and me. And move us ahead of him. And he didn't like it one bit. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, that's a good theory. Well, it's not just, listen, so let's go back to, let's, for just a minute, let's forget everything that we've heard about this, and let's look at what he actually said. Verse 13, this is what Lucifer said in his heart. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne, not above God, above the stars of God. Stars are symbolic in Scripture of offspring. Remember when God showed Abraham the stars and he said, you'll have offspring like the stars uh, in the heavens. And you say, well, that's kind of flimsy. Well, let's keep going. I will also sit, also, in other words, I'm going to sit there too, on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. This is a place in heaven reserved for you and me. It's called Zion. Amen. And, and it's this beautiful place that God's had reserved for us all these eons and eons of time. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's like Lucifer's like, hold on a second, God. 
If they're going to get to sit over there, I'm going, I'm going over there too. I'm going to be there as well. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. This is what Lucifer said in his heart. I'll be like the Most High. When God created you and me, you and me who did he create us like? He created us in his image and in his likeness. So much so, do you see why, back to the Psalm 8 passage, so much so that we narrowly miss being him. We, we are so close to, to God's image and likeness. Image and likeness means a couple of things. We'll dig into this when we get to the verses later. But image and likeness means to look like God looks and to function the way God functions. Wow. And Lucifer's like, hold on a second, God. If they're going to be like you, I'm going to be like you too. Are you seeing this? Okay. Verse 15. But what did, what did he say? Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? I've said this for so many years. Some folks are like, if that our alums to this class are going to be like, is he going to say it? So, yes, I'm going to say it, okay? And I don't, I, I'm not saying this was some vision or some deep revelation. This is just me trying to picture this scene. But the Bible says, listen to me now, the Bible says there is coming a day when Satan will be revealed for who and what he really is and that the people of the earth will wag their heads in amazement and say things like, you mean that's all... He's the one that caused all the problems. He's the one that wouldn't really, I mean, we're go, we'd be in shock about it, right? And so here's the thing. I'm not saying this is something God said, okay? But for some reason, I picture him in the shriveled up, curled up, afraid and shivering in the bottom of a 55-gallon garbage can. Literally, an, an, an imp from hell, a low-level devil just 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 shriveled up shaking and terrified because see he's he the devil makes his living by deceiving people he makes his living now listen he when i say deceiving people he's had a lot of practice he's he's practiced deceiving people for thousands and thousands of years and he's gotten very good at it but if you'll notice, the same tricks that he used in the Garden of Eden on Eve and Adam are very similar to what he tried with Jesus when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Okay? We see it in 1 John, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Okay? And so he only has a handful of tricks, and he uses them very successfully. And ultimately, what I want you to see when we get into some of the specifics about what you are, is that what gives Satan, so, so to speak, power over us is that he ultimately uses what you are against you. He uses what you are against you. And see, when we're ignorant of what we are, are you following me? When we're ignorant of what we are and we don't even know it, we don't even realize that, that he's doing it. Let's go back to one we've already mentioned. Um, one, of, one of the things that, that, that we see is that the Bible says you are a speaking spirit. Okay? And we see from Scripture that death and life is in the power of your tongue. We see from Scripture that, that um, the course of your life is determined by the words that come out of your mouth. 
You'll never have a different or better life until you change what's coming out of your mouth. And people are, oh, it's the Bible. This isn't, I didn't say this. I didn't make this up. It's the scriptures. All right. But see now, when, when we don't understand this part, right? Let's say you're not convinced and we haven't taught on this yet. I understand that. Okay. But let's say you're not convinced, but just, but what if? I'm 100% convinced from the scriptures that this is the case. But just consider for just a moment, what if what you say determines the course of your life, but yet you didn't realize that or nobody's ever explained that to you? The devil absolutely knows it. And so he's constantly trying to get us to say things, right, that will bring negative results and consequences in our lives. Why are people so... Why is death in our mouths so much? That pies to die for. My feet are killing me. Tickle me to death. You're killing me. Why? Do, why? See, again, it's because death and life's in the power of your tongue, and the devil wants you to speak death and talk death and talk problem and talk what you don't have and, and, and keep repeating over and over the same questions your problems keep asking you. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, let the poor man say I'm rich. Let the weak man say I'm strong. Let the sick man say I'm healed. It requires zero faith for a poor man to talk about how broke he is, for a, for a sick sister to talk about how sick she is. Are you following what I'm saying? No, no faith in that at all. I didn't come up with this. I don't know who did or I give him credit for it, but this is it in a, in a nutshell. Are you ready? God says you can have what you say, but you won't quit saying what you have. God says you can have whatever you say, but you won't quit saying what you have. Right? You see that? You see? Now, obviously, we just jump weeks ahead, but I'm, just, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to show you why these things are so important. So if it's true, and again, I'm, I'm, I didn't write this. I'm reading God's word to you. That there will come a day when the devil is revealed for who and what he really is and people will absolutely be dumbstruck. I mean, it's like mouths agape, heads wagging. There is no way he's the one who brought nations to their knees. Anybody remember um, Saddam Hussein before and after? <laughs> right? Where, where, did, where did he get all that authority that he had to do all those things that he did? He derived it from the people that he terrorized. And when he was finally separated from the people that he derived his power and authority from, we found him in a hole in the ground, shriveled up, shaking and afraid. Amen. And so let, let, me, let me say one last thing about this and then we'll move on, okay? If tomorrow morning when the world woke up for one 24-hour period on planet Earth, not a single person listened to or gave into or did anything the devil suggested, how many murders would there be on planet Earth? How many? You see what I'm talking about, right? In other words, you know, the devil can't do anything unless we cooperate with him cannot do anything. He's got to find human beings who will listen to him, who will bow their knee to him, who will let him dictate to them. And so this is why 
he makes his living deceiving. Because if we really understood that he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If, if we, so that's why the devil doesn't come to you in a red suit with a pitchfork. He comes to you as an angel of light quoting scripture. Think about that for a minute now. See, he tried it on Jesus, and Jesus quoted scripture, and he goes, I'm going to quote scripture now. So Jesus is like, so, Jesus, so now Satan starts quoting scripture to Jesus. <clears throat> so let's go back to where we started. Why does the devil hate us? See, you were the origin of his undoing, right? So do you see now, let's go back to Psalm 8. From the mouths of nursing infants, <laughs> you have ordained strength. You've brought forth an avenger who will silence, will silence the lies of the enemy. Every time another human being is born into this planet and opens his or her little tiny mouth and forces air out of its lungs and makes a sound, it makes the devil, devil very nervous. Makes the devil very nervous. Why? It's because he's got one more that he's going to have to deceive or else they're going to put him in his place. They're going to terrorize him. See, one of the things that I long for, for every person I have an opportunity to serve, but especially those that are in this class, is that you come to some tipping point throughout, and maybe some of you are already there, right? where you just rise up and in Jesus' name, Satan, your reign of terror in my life is over. It's over. It's over. Not going to be deceived anymore. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. Demons are subject to you in his name. In his name. So do you, do you see why I take the time to explain Psalm 8, and I look at all those different verses where we see that the, the translation is correct. It's because, you know, when Satan was uh, removed from heaven and landed here on this earth, he landed here more determined than he's ever been to exalt his throne over you. What did he say in his heart? He said, I will exalt my throne above the offspring of God. And that got him in a heap of trouble, but it didn't change. His desire to, what does it exalt his throne over? What does that mean? It means he wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your master. He wants you to be his slave. He says, I'm not going to serve them. They're going to serve me. <laughs> are, you, are you seeing this? Ministering spirits serve, number three serves number two, just like number two serves number one. And Lucifer said, uh, no, no, God. Listen, I've done I've, all these years, I've done all this for you, but I'm, I, I'm drawing the line here. I'm not serving them, they're serving me. And then that cost him everything. Stripped him of, of his position, his title, his, his former estate as the scripture. And so <laughs> now he's determined to exalt his throne over you and me with a mat on, right? With a vengeance, so to speak. That's why the Bible says to you and me, give him no place. Give the devil no place in your life, in your thoughts, in your actions. Give him no place.
Because he only, according to Jesus, John 10, 10, only comes to steal, kill, destroy. All right. James chapter 1. I rushed that last week. Week before last. Last class together. Okay. I rushed through some of that. And, you know, afterwards I said, well, you know what? We just go back through it. Because this provides, remember the context of all this. What is man? Right? What is man? You're mindful of him. The son of man that you visit him made him a little lower than... Elohim, crowned him with glory and honor, gave him dominion over everything you made with your hands. Over every, angels are created things. God created them. And when he made you and me number two, he, he gave us dominion over them. Wow. See, a lot of, let me, let me say this, okay? Maybe no one listening to me right now, but we see in Scripture like where, you know, two angels like, or one angel, whatever, defeats a whole army. And so, see, 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 angels are greater than men. No, no, see, again, they, we're not talking about power. We're not talking about, you know, how much you can bench press. They're spirit beings. They don't have a physical body like we have, okay? But that's not, that's not the, the determining factor. Just because they can do things we can't do. Remember back to things that they long to look into that, that they don't understand. Um, amen. All right. We're going to judge them one day, but that doesn't mean pass sentence on them. I think judging angels, remember what I said about that, that, that one day we're going to, we're going to we're, our eyes are finally going to be open to how much they've helped us and how much they've done for us that we just thought we were lucky or a good driver or... Um, you know, we didn't realize it was angels uh, on assignment, hidden help uh, that was being a, a great blessing to us. And one day when we judge them, it's, it's gonna, we're going to shout it from heaven, our gratitude for their service. Um, amen. All right, James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So here, here we have what, what is man, or, or in this way of, of, of saying it, forgets what kind of man, what kind of man there are different kinds of, uh, of, of men. And I know I say this probably too many times, but we're not talking about males or females. We're talking about mankind, men who, who have a womb to uh, uh, nurture and grow and birth a child and men who do not have a womb. You have womb men and then you just have regular old men. Okay, so make sure you understand that, ladies. I, you know, the, the, the church, um, excuse me, thank you for correcting me, Holy Spirit, because it, it's like in my spirit he jumped up. No, 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 not the church. Religion has tried to marginalize women, and, and um, oh, my God, where would we be without y'all? Amen, I'm just telling you. But when he says what kind of man, he's not talking about male and female here. And, and, and or even, um, you know, different uh, skin tones. 
that, uh, nationalities. These, no, that's not what he's talking about here. The Bible identifies um, a natural man, um, a carnal man, and a spiritual man. A natural man is a man who has not yet been born again. A carnal man is a man or a woman, obviously, who has been born again, but still for the most part thinks like someone who has not been born again. A spiritual man is a man or a woman who has been born again and for the most part thinks like someone who has been born again. These are the, these are the different kinds of men, right? So you hear people refer to themselves as unworthy. I'm an unworthy person, okay? Well, understand that the blood of Jesus has made you worthy. We talk about, this is one of my pet peeves, people who say I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. If you've ever said that before, ask the Lord to forgive you and don't ever say it again, okay? Because that's, that's the devil's deception. He never, if you were a sinner, we all were, but if you've been born again, according to the scriptures, you're no longer a sinner. You've become a saint. You've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean we still don't occasionally sin. But it's not our identity anymore. Okay? Um, but see, again, the devil never wants us to know that we've become just as right before God in the eyes of God as Jesus. So he says he observes himself in a mirror, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. In those verses where we're given, and I know I hit that just real fast, like we will spend some time on natural, carnal, and spiritual, and what that looks like, and, and, and all that in the, in the days ahead. But in that same passage, uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says, and, and as born-again men and women, you continue to behave like mere men, like mere men. See, if you've been born again, you're not a mere man anymore. You're a God-man. You're a God-woman. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Amen. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Now, he compares the Word of God, though, here and in other places, to a mirror. He says you look into the Word of God. You, you look into, the, into, in, into this... Um, uh, perfect law of liberty is, is one way that he, that he explains it. Observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So there's only one mirror that you can look into for a true reflection of who you are as a new creation in Christ Jesus, and that's the Word of God. Okay? So we're talking about, we're talking about, being, we're talking about somewhere you can look to see what you really are. Okay? Now, this may be the simplest thing that I say all night, but this revelation for me was so simple yet so profound, all right? I do not need a mirror to see my hand. What do I need a mirror to see? I need a mirror to see what I can't see any other way, right? I need a mirror to see my face, right? Because I can't, I mean, I can I can see a little bit there, right, you know. But I can't see my hair, okay? I need a mirror to see what I can't see without it, all right? So there are things that God made you to be. There are things that are true about what you are and who you are and why you are that you can't see without his mirror. You'll never see it. Come on now. 
you will never see it unless you see it in the mirror of God's word. Unless, unless you allow the Holy Spirit to show you these things in the scriptures. So again, I don't need a mirror to see my foot. I can see my foot. See, th this, is, this is where the Holy Spirit is going to take us and is taking us and has taken us and will continue to take us. But now here's the part, though, where we have to cooperate with him. Remember, the best advice you could ever give anybody is agree with God and agree with him quickly. And when he begins to show you things about what you are, who you are, and why you are, in the only place you can ever see those things, his, the mirror of his word, you got to agree with him. Are you with me? He's saying that, you know, people look into a natural mirror. And, man, they're looking rough. But they just, walk, they just walk away and forget. They don't, they don't allow that mirror to bring any kind of, uh, you, you know, uh, motivation to change. Right? And one of the most important aspects of your existence as far as the quality of it and the, and the meaningfulness of it and the effectiveness of it is the image you have of yourself. Your life reality will always be a reflection of your self-image. Your self-image will reflect, your life reality will reflect the image you have of yourself. That's why of all the things the devil is trying to corrupt and, 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 and prevent from changing, it, it, it's, it goes back to, to the image you have of yourself. Okay? Now, again, there's all kinds of verses on this, and we'll, and we'll spend a great deal of time on this when we get to the part about renewing our minds. But when we talk about renewing our mind, which is really central to discipleship in and of itself, we talk about renewing the mind. What we're really, more than anything, is, is learning to see ourselves the way God has always seen us. Learning to see ourselves in light of what God has done for us and what God has said about us and who God has made us as opposed to the things that have been done to us. Are you with me? Gideon is the biblical example of this. When God comes to Gideon and calls him a mighty man of valor, Gideon couldn't see it. The image that he had of himself was, I am the least in my father's house, and my father's house is the least of, of his family, and his family's the least of this, and we're just a bunch of nobodies looking for no, nowhere to go, right? And his, the image that he had of himself was based upon what was being done to him, what had been done to him. He, he saw himself as a victim, of, of others, people, things we've done to ourselves, and let's just be honest about it, choices that we made and consequences of those choices. What the devil is most interested in in all of that is not the face value of the sins that we've committed, but how he can use our actions and choices to form within us a wrong image of ourselves. That's why we've got to look into the Word of God and see what we are, who we are, and why we are. And when He begins to show that to you, don't argue with Him. Agree with Him. Even if you can't, quote-unquote, see it in a natural mirror yet. Are you following me? You'll never see it in the natural mirror. So, in other words, actually being lived out and, and experienced and enjoyed in your life. You will never see it in the natural mirror until you see it and agree with it first. In, in the mirror of God's word. Let, let, me, let, me, let me take you to one example of what I mean. Jesus said in John 14, 
that you would do the works that he did and even greater works because he was going to his father. Miracles. <laughs> see, we see that in the mirror of God's word and we're like, who, who is he talking about? He's talking about you. You're but a renewed mind away from doing the works of Jesus. Only reason we're not doing them already as born-again believers is we don't think we can. We don't have an image of ourselves. Come on now. Are you hearing me? We don't see ourselves doing it. That's why you need to start imagining yourself laying hands on sick children and God healing them through you. You've got to picture yourself. See, here's the thing. Not a person in this room, and I don't know all of you that, you know, like we haven't had Milo's tea together yet or something, but, but you... But I, I know you because I know you in the spirit, right? Not a person in this room not interested in helping people, especially a kid. It's in you, see. God put it in you. Some of you have seen children in wheelchairs or what have you, and something in you is like, man, you need to do something about that. You know, so again, so that's the Holy Spirit inside of you. <laughs> getting quiet up in here. Is it getting quiet out there in, uh, in, in, in Internet land? Amen. Praise God. Well, again... See, th this is the thing. We, we only want to believe it if, if, if you follow what I'm saying. We, you look in the mirror with a preconceived idea of who you are and what you are and what you can do and, and, and all sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, God says that he's given you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, he'll, put us, it, it'll, he'll back you up in stopping it here on the earth and releasing it here on the earth. See, again, he's... he's when you look into that mirror to see what you can only see there of his word, you're going to find out, and it's one of the things answering this question, what is man? Man's legal authority on planet earth. Legal authority on planet earth. But it's talking about what God allows. God's not talking about what he allows. He's talking about what you allow. So I'm just trying to give you some idea. I'm not trying to teach all this in one night, but I'm, I'm just trying to give you some idea when I say the mirror shows you things that you can't see any other way. When you see it, when the Holy Spirit shows you that, thank Him for showing you. Thank Him for loving you enough to reveal it to you. And then agree with Him. Agree with Him. Don't wait until you see righteousness and freedom in your life reality to believe you're right and free. It's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. Does faith, does faith work this way? I'll believe it when I see it. It's not how faith works. Faith believes it's true before there's ever any evidence of it in the, in the, in the, in the sensory realm. Right? So if God says you're free, believe Him. Believe Him. Pastor Mark, that's ridiculous. I, I was thinking about using heroin this morning. Believe him. He said you're free. Believe you're free. And watch freedom manifest in your life. What, what does the title slide say? Come and I'll give, learn and you'll find. See, he's wanting to show you some things. He's wanting, he's wanting you to begin to see yourself the way he's always seen you. Mm-mm-mm. What kind of man are you? <laughs> Amen. What kind? What, what is man? What are you? What, what unique abilities? What, what characteristics? What, what is it about you that, that, that you can do that, that 
you can do because God created you in His image and likeness to function the way He functions. Praise God. All right. Somebody tell me again, what do you need a mirror for? To see what you can't see any other way. To see what you can't see any other way. And see, some of you in here, not everybody, I understand that. Some of you watching right now, listening. uh, Man, there are things that God showed you when you was a kid. And you said, no, I can never do that. No, not me. Maybe somebody else, but not. Yes, you. See, we don't realize it, but you just disagree with God. God said you could, you said you couldn't. God said go, and you say, send somebody else. I'm, I'm not qualified. Thank you, Jesus. So what is man? That's the one we're going to focus on. Building others, and as I point out, identity and purpose, who you are and why you are, I'll make those connections. But ultimately, this is the... This is what you're going to find out if you're not already, okay? The more you understand what you are, <laughs> it's like all of a sudden why you are starts falling into, who you are starts falling into place, why you are starts falling into place. Identity unlocks destiny. It, so we're going to spend the most time on what. You can't talk about what without including who and then why. Is, a, is, is obvious. Okay? All right. Now, a failure to understand and embrace the truth concerning what you are will make it impossible to ever fully know who you are and why you are. This is why the devil works so hard to convince us that we are nothing more than a higher form of a monkey, that we're apes with educations, that, that we're just uh, evolved from every other uh, animal and it's the popular theories of our uh, of our origin, and yet the Bible tells a completely different story, a completely different explanation and narrative. I've talked to you already about the trivialization of man. Let me just bring it up again as we move forward this evening. Satan is the one who wants to trivialize you. He uses religion to trivialize and marginalize you. He uses, um, you know, again, think of how, and we mentioned women earlier, think of how women have been oppressed in our world by the church. (laughs) In other words, by people who are supposedly representing God. Think of how other uh, slavery and, and other races of people um, have been marginalized and trivialized and abused and looked down upon by the church. By the, when I say the church, I, I don't mean the true body of Christ. I'm talking about organized religion. What people have done and said in the name of God, which, again, that's... If the devil can get somebody wearing a three-piece suit standing behind a pulpit to speak for him... <laughs> And people listen and think that, you know, because he's the pastor, he knows. That's why the Bible says, those who do what I'm doing right now be held to a stricter judgment. The trivialization of man. 
Romans chapter 12, verses 3, 4, and 5. Let's go there right quick. It says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So this is, remember I said the devil doesn't come in, wearing a red suit with a pitchfork, but he comes as an angel like quoting scripture. This is one of the verses that, that Satan tries to manipulate and, um, and twist and pervert to say that we should not think highly of ourselves, that we should not have a healthy, strong self-image, that we shouldn't see ourselves the way God sees us. And that when I start telling people God's number one and they're number two and ministering spirits have been sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation, to minister for the heirs of salvation, oh, Pastor Mark, you're going to get people puffed up in pride. You're going to this, you're going to that. Well, I want you to, again, forget about the preconceived notions and ideas, and I want you to see what the Scriptures are actually saying here. The verse in Romans 12 does not say think poorly of yourself or to think lowly of yourself. As a matter of fact, what he's actually saying here is that you should think highly of yourself, but that you should not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Okay? So you realize that he's, he's telling us here, you need to think very highly of yourself, but don't go beyond, right? Now, he also includes here in this verse what it actually means to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. By explaining to us that we should think soberly, soberly here, it's, um, it's sozo-minded, soteria, soterion, all of these are derivatives of the word translated into our English word, saved, salvation. He's, he, sober-minded is, is literally salvation-minded. Think like somebody who's born again, okay? So number one, to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, right, means you're thinking beyond the scope of what you became the day you became a new creation in Christ. You're thinking outside of that. That's, that's rarely an issue in the body of Christ. Most people think far beneath who they actually became the day they became a new creation in Christ Jesus. But he also gives us something here, and, and I, I want to, I know we're about out of time, but let me try to at least get this part established, okay? Um, so he goes, it almost sounds like he's changing the subject here, but he's not. Am I boring you? Some of you are like you kind of, it's been a long day. I got, just hang in here with me for a few more minutes, okay? So it almost seems like he's changing the subject here, but he's not. Okay, he's giving us an understanding of what it is to think more highly than yourself, of yourself than you ought to think. So he goes, for as we have, so for is the connecting word. As we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, all right? So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. All right? So let me, let me give you an idea here of, of what it looks like for somebody to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. Okay? I'm right-handed. And um, <clears throat> thankfully, uh, it's been a long time, but when I was younger, just active and doing what boys do. I, I experienced a lot of different broken bones, okay? And uh, um, 
So it's one thing to have your left, if you're right-handed, to have your left hand in a cast, but it's another thing altogether when it comes to the right, okay? So we, we rely heavily upon the right hand, okay? And on my right hand, and I give glory to God, I'm not trying to be funny, okay? Made cabinets, built cabinets for many, many years, and I still have all of my fingers, and I'm thankful for that, okay? Uh, because, again, power tools, saws, all that stuff, and it, it can be a dangerous uh, occupation, and so I give God the glory for protecting my hands. Uh, in all of that, but um, I have five uh, fingers on my right hand, but technically it's it's four fingers and a thumb, and um, and and so my thumb is really special on my right hand. You, you follow what I'm saying? I mean, it's my dominant hand, and boy, it just complements my other four fingers really well. I can grab things, make a fist, and. And uh, I heard somebody say that uh, the opposable thumb alone is enough evidence that there's a God. Amen. You know, that we can do these kinds of things and the dexterity. And, and so it's, it's fascinating, right? So, man, I'm thankful for my thumb. My thumb, thumb, you're awesome, dude. I'm, I'm just, thank God for you, okay? Where my thumb would think more highly of itself than it ought to think is for my thumb to think that it no longer needed my hand that it no longer needed my other four fingers. Matter of fact, that it no longer needed me. That it's such a, it's such a cool and, and awesome gift and it has such, I mean, it can do things that my knee can't do. It, it can do things that my nose can't do. It, my thumb can do things that my upper lip can't do, right? It, it's, it's, it's cool, man, it's awesome. It's, 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 it's to be honored, it's to be recognized, it's to be valued, it's to be prized. And so, you know, for me to say, Thumb, you need to, you need to be humble. You're not, you're not unique. You're not, you know, you're just, you're just, just bone and skin. No, that, that, would, that would be wrong. I've got to keep my thumb humble. Humble yourself, Thumb. No, see, for the, hum, for the thumb to think, am I being too corny? For my thumb to think more highly of itself than it ought to think, as it, it would be for it to think of itself as not needing the rest of my body. Okay? So watch this now. You, as a born-again believer, are an individual member of the body of Christ. And every person listening to me right now has a very specific, here we go, purpose again, right? You have a very specific, you have a very unique, you have a very individualized destiny in Father's kingdom. And that's to be celebrated, that's to be recognized, that's to be honored. Amen. But here's the other part of this. In the same way that my thumb can't serve its purpose unless it works together with other members of my body, okay, you as an individual member of the body of Christ cannot fulfill your God-given purpose and destiny unless you work together with other members of the body of Christ. So for you to think that you can somehow do what God's put you on this earth to do without other members of the body of Christ. That's what it means to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Are you with me? Now, while we're on this subject, because you have a very specific and unique destiny that cannot be fulfilled without other people, the other people aren't random. Do so you think about that for a minute. 
If the destiny is specific and it can't be fulfilled without other people, the other people can't be random. The other people are specific as well. They are unique as well. Jesus didn't say, give me 12, any 12 will do. He specifically hand-selected after spending all night in prayer with his Father. He specifically hand-selected the 12 men that were his disciples, including Judas, a man that God had to have revealed to him would, would witness miracles and people being raised from the dead, and yet his greed and his love of money... And that he would never change and that ultimately he would betray Jesus. Even Judas was selected to, to fulfill the role that he fulfilled in, in this uh, epic saga. Okay? Think about that. For, I want that to settle in for you for just a minute. Okay? I tell people that one of the, if not the most important life decision you'll ever make, obviously I'm not talking about getting saved and that sort of thing, but right up there with your career choice and even who you marry is the, the pastor and the congregation and the men and women of God and the men and women of faith that you connect with and that you surround yourself with. Please hear me. Listen to me, please. Do not make those decisions the way a lot of people make those decisions, okay? Well, that church was close to my house. Well, that church, you know, I like the color of the carpet. Well, that pastor, he, he didn't preach very long and he played Andy Griffin reruns and I like Andy Griffin. You know, all these reasons why people make these decisions without ever considering that their, the fulfillment of their destiny is based upon the men and women that they worship with, that they grow together with, that they serve God together with. There are times in my life when I meet people, and I didn't understand this at first. I just knew that that person has something to do with my destiny and Father's kingdom. And I've come to say it this way when I meet these people. I've come, and sometimes I even tell folks, I'll look them straight in the eye and I'll say, I came out of my mother's womb looking for you. And that sounds odd. I don't, I don't embarrass him. I call him Brother Odie, Keith Odie, okay? He's a little bit older than me. We, we were trying to decide before uh, class tonight um, if he looked like Jacques Cousteau or a boxing trainer or a boxer. All right, tell him how old you are, Brother Keith. 80. Lord, let me look as young and good as him when I turn 80. Amen. Um, He's been very good to you, but I think he would tell you, and I'll certainly tell you, I came out of my mother's womb looking for that man right there. I lived almost 40 years on this earth before I ever met him. You know my story, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's through these relationships, fellowship, partnership, that the purposes of God prosper. The purposes of God prosper. Let me tell you what that means. It means my ability to do what I'm put on this earth to do is positively affected and impacted through my fellowship and relationship and submission to and service of that man right there and his to me. The Bible says that God wrote every day of your life down in a book before you ever lived a single one of them. Psalm 139. Some people hear that and they go, why in the world did he write that part about my parents getting divorced when I was four? God didn't write that part. That, the Bible says we've all done our own thing, wrote our own story, went our own way. But, but Father laid our iniquity and willful disobedience, every bit of it, on Jesus to pay the price for it so we could come out from under that slavery to sin and be free to live the life that God created us to live. And so, you know, getting back in 
on the same page with God, agree with God, agree with Him quickly, right? But, and I'll just build the story a little more. All right, so I believe then somewhere in heaven there's a book on a shelf that has my name on the spine, Mark Edward Winslet. If you pull that book out off that shelf, and then you go, I don't know if they're in alphabetical order or what, or what have you, but if you, if you go to the one that says Keith Odie, and you pull his book off the shelf, if you look in his book, you'll find my name. And if you look at my book, you'll find his name. Because God wrote it before we ever lived a single day. He gave us purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. Are you seeing this, right? So do you see, do you see why, why Jesus taught us that Satan has come to divide? There, there are people in, 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 in this um, brief history of this church. We, we started first Sunday in June 1998. It's amazing to me the, the, the men and women that... Um, that God would, our paths would cross and yet we never realized it. Maybe, maybe people that, that God was trying to connect with me and me with them um, years before we ever were brought together here in, in this church. I know with my wife, I, b before, before I ever saw her face, something leapt inside of me. I was closing up Chick-fil-A and my friends from youth group were outside waiting for me to throw the frisbee, and they kept coming and saying, "When are you going to be through?" I'm like, "Man, I got it. You know, got a mop. I got it. It's going to be a minute." And they said, "There's a new girl with us tonight." I said, "Really? What's her name?" They said, "Pam." Never saw her face. Came out of my mother's womb looking for her. Came out of you see, you see what I'm saying, right? Her name's in my book. My name's in hers. So people that that our paths would cross, and 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 then finally. You know, after all these many, many years of God working to bring our lives together, then some silly, petty disagreement, they stomp off mad. <laughs> Man. Man. Listen to me, please. There are people on this planet, some of them you've already met, some of them you haven't met yet, some of them you're, you're meeting for the first time in this room, maybe, okay? You came out of your mother's womb looking for them. They're either a big part or a small part or some part in your destiny. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. To think more highly of yourself than you ought to think is to think you don't need those people. He's not telling you to have a poor self-image. He's not telling you that you shouldn't think highly of yourself. He thinks very highly of you. God thinks very highly he think, let me tell you how highly he thinks of you. He sent his son to bleed to death naked on a cross for you. He thinks very highly of you. To think more highly of yourself than you ought to think is to think that you don't need anybody else. And that's simply not the case. Amen. Father, thank you for these men and women in this room. Thank you, Father. That may be just for this season, Lord. I'm, I'm not trying to, to put any pressure on anybody, and I think they know that about me. Maybe it's just for these few weeks or few months that they come to this class. But Lord, I believe there are folks in this room that came out of their mother's womb looking for me and I came out of my mother's womb looking for them. Lord, it's, it's, it's part of what you have planned. In some cases, Father, um, you're enabling me and allowing me the opportunity to teach them things, Father, that other folks 
throughout their lives were supposed to teach them, but for whatever reason, they didn't teach them, or for whatever reason, they tried, and we weren't ready to listen at those points in time. But yet here we are tonight, Father. Lord, we purpose tonight, because there's not a person listening to me right now that hasn't been hurt and rejected by other people. And yet, Father, the word that you gave to me that I'm now going to pass along to every person listening to me right now is you said to me, and I say now to them, do not let the people who reject you keep you from reaching the people who need you and want you. Because, Father, there's a lot of people in this world who need the men and women in this room. They need their heart. They need their love. They need, Lord, what you're teaching them. And Lord, I thank you that they have the attitude that, that Samuel had. Here am I, send me. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Father, as we um, go about whatever's next in our evening, I thank you, Lord, for your wisdom and for the Holy Spirit who's upon us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, know that you're loved. Thank you for being here. One of the things I told Brother Keith before class is that sometimes when we take a week off, Folks use that as an excuse to drop out, so I'm glad you didn't take that uh, opportunity. Uh, good things coming. Much love. Be blessed, and we'll.